Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Thank you for listening. We have a rather gloomy day today here in Vancouver, but that's okay because I'm mainly planning on staying inside anyways, reading my book. Right now I'm reading the book. It's called Silence of the Girls, I believe. I've been really enjoying lately books inspired by Greek mythology, and that one has been a pretty good read. I'm almost done it. And then I'm also just going to do some cleaning. I have my family coming to visit from... Ontario, and this will be the first time that my family has come during the pandemic. So I'm super excited to host them, and I'm also really looking forward to just unplugging for the weekend, you know, doing some activities. I think we're going to go skiing a couple of times. And yeah, so because of that, I'm filming or, excuse me, recording this a week early, which is very unusual for me. But I'm excited for this conversation. It's going to be a slightly shorter episode because I think. I would like to talk about this topic in more depth, but I'm going to kind of do it in chunks. I've talked before about how I really like to share things as I'm going through them, and in doing so, I find that I'm really able to connect with other folks who are going through similar things, and we can kind of collectively encourage each other and watch that transformation happen. And something that has been a big theme in my life over the last few years, but especially the last, I would say, few months, has been this topic of contraction versus expansion and I had a whole episode about this about stepping outside of your comfort zone and the tendency to then shrink back into feelings of smallness and self-sabotage so we're kind of going to be building on that conversation but specifically talking about the way that that relates to the practice of manifestation. And this is a topic that I haven't really talked about a lot. It's something that I find super fascinating and interesting. And I have experimented with quite a bit, different techniques and different practices and different teachers and methodologies. And I'm kind of going to be sharing a little glimpse into what I am currently practicing when it comes to manifestation because there are so many different schools of thought and definitions for manifestation. I want to provide sort of a foundation to build upon for this conversation and I think a lot of the time when I and especially when I first started practicing manifestation, it was coming from a place of needing to acquire specific material goods or have certain experiences with the intention of almost filling a void within myself. And I think 
when we're taking more of a healing approach to manifestation, it's trying to actually peel back those layers that we have built on where we feel unworthy and where we are protecting ourselves from things like embarrassment and rejection. And then we're finding what lies underneath and that sense of purpose and authenticity. And then from there, we're calling in what we need to fully embody that version of ourselves. So I think the key here is that it comes from a place of worthiness and not needing to have external factors validate our sense of worthiness, but also recognizing that they can help us to more fully embody who we feel that we are here to be. There's also just an element of having fun in this life experience that we're having and being able to be creative and imagine ourselves living beyond the current reality that we're living in now. I think that that's fun and it's imaginative and it can be an exciting process of creation. And so there's also that piece of sometimes it's not that deep, if you will. It's just enjoying and playing around and experimenting with what is possible in this life. Something else I want to clarify before we dive into the conversation is that I hear something circulating a lot and it's always kind of just rubbed me the wrong way and I just want to clarify that phrases like your thoughts create your reality I think can be kind of confusing because it phrases like this fail to address the very real systemic issues and things that are outside of our control and also things like abuse and trauma that has been inflicted upon us and it's important to clarify that when we're having this discussion of orienting and realigning your thoughts in a direction that feels purposeful and trying to up-level in your beliefs and your perception of yourself in the world, there is also the element of things that are outside of our control and we don't have to feel like because we are having necessarily negative thoughts, that is on us that those events are happening to us. I also really don't align to the belief that we should completely avoid negative thoughts because I think they can actually tell us a lot about our subconscious and some of the deeper layers that may be guiding our decisions and ultimately impacting the direction of our life. So I actually feel as though fearful or negative thoughts can be important clues to perhaps things that we have not healed yet and can really help us to point us in the right direction as we begin to heal what's lying underneath those negative thoughts. So this really is a compassion-based approach where we don't aim to avoid fearful thoughts. We simply investigate them and try to understand how they came to be and how they're shaping our worldview. It can also provide us with an opportunity to heal our inner child because oftentimes when we're dealing with fearful, anxious, or vulnerable thoughts, we are pressing up against a inner child wound. And when this happens, we have an opportunity to reparent and kind of integrate and heal that wound. And what I mean by that is oftentimes when we're dealing with our inner child, there might not be an understanding that the situation that we're in is different from a 
traumatizing or scary situation that we may have experienced in childhood or in early life. So with the wisdom that we have now, we are able to provide our inner child with that sense of soothing and reassurance that we're okay and that we're safe and that we can begin to heal that wound and stop operating from that place of fear and anxiety. For today's conversation, essentially what we are going to be examining is when something comes into our awareness that we believe we would like to experience and manifest, what is our pattern of thinking and how do we orient ourselves to that experience that we would like to have? So perhaps we see someone else doing something and we feel on a deep level that that is an experience that we would like to have and it's deeply aligned to who we are and what we feel we could embody. What are the thoughts that follow and how do they help or hinder us from being able to experience what we are looking to call in? So for many of us, the thought pattern that starts to form when we are dealing with something that we haven't yet experienced and that we're trying to manifest is we start to default into fear or smallness or feeling like we couldn't possibly have that for ourselves. And I want to share this quote that really helps to articulate why we do this. And it basically says that the largest part of what we call personality is determined by how we've opted to defend ourselves against anxiety and sadness. And that is from Alain de Botton. I've mentioned that quote before because I help I think it helps to paint the picture of how we move through life operating from our survival personality in other words the version of ourselves that we felt it was necessary to create in order to be loved approved of and accepted by others when we are presented with opportunities or experiences that are outside of our perhaps comfort zone or outside of what we feel is possible for ourselves oftentimes we default to a fear-based reaction because it might involve expanding beyond our survival personality so for example let's say we're presented with an opportunity to try a new career path that we would need to perhaps put ourselves out there in a new way or be seen in a new way and if we've for so long tried to protect ourselves from the experience of rejection or embarrassment we may never actually try to take that opportunity because of the fear that is keeping us in what we believe to be this zone of safety just to provide a practical example of what I mean by this, so something that I've always felt compelled to do in my life has been to express and to be seen. I, when I was younger, I always loved to perform. I, to be honest, quite enjoyed being the center of attention. I loved to be in plays and to be singing and dancing in front of people and at some point, I don't have an exact sequence of events, but over time I began to become more and more concerned with social acceptance and would not do anything that would be embarrassing or that people would judge me for or that I could basically control that they would judge me for. So I began to protect myself from having experiences of being seen and potentially being judged. Fast forward two years later when I always felt like I wanted to reconnect with this part of myself and the easiest and most accessible way for me to do that was through social media. And 
when I first started putting myself out there on social media, I kind of did it in layers and I did it more iteratively where first I was doing a blog and I didn't necessarily use my first name. And then I started, you know, posting on different platforms. And with this experience, with each layer, I felt very embarrassed of people seeing me and still to this day if people that I know follow me or comment on my stuff I still feel this twinge of embarrassment or feeling judged but I realized how much that fear and that keeping myself small and shrinking back into that zone of perceived safety I was blocking myself from being able to express myself and being able to manifest the reality that I'm currently living now and it's been a really interesting experience because I've been able to see directly how that those beliefs about myself and my beliefs ultimately about the way that my life has to be because of a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Previous experiences of embarrassment or rejection were really guiding my life in a direction that was not allowing me to take these opportunities and to show up and embody this expressive version of myself that it was wanting to be seen and wanting to put myself out there and had so many creative ideas but I was just continuing to block them. I think also when we consider operating from this place another important piece is that we quite often don't allow ourselves to believe something 
outside of what we've already experienced is possible because we have these loops that run in our mind that if we were previously rejected or embarrassed or ashamed, that experience stands out in our mind and we believe that we're bound to just continue to repeat that if we show up in that same way. So for example, if we show up authentically as ourselves, we're going to continue to experience shame or embarrassment. So there's that piece and then also just finding it really hard to imagine anything outside of what we've been taught and what we've been conditioned, even though deep down we may feel as though that belief doesn't align to us. And I... I do believe that there is some degree of, in fact, there's a large degree of choice in what we believe to be true about the world. As an example, we have so many different religions and spiritual practices that all feel very strongly that their way of seeing the world is the right one, but there are so many of them. And so there's so much nuance when it comes to belief and Ultimately, I feel that what we believe about ourselves and the world is going to be in a lot of ways reflected back to us. A good example of this for me is that when I was growing up, I grew up in a small town and within my direct community, I didn't know that many people. I didn't have that many examples of folks who were perhaps doing a less traditional job or were entrepreneurs. And then on top of that, if they were people who are actually successful in doing so. And then of course we have the whole different context of, you know, our generation, which is in the online space. So when I wanted to start doing that for myself, I had very few examples within my direct community when I was young that modeled to me that that was possible for me to do. There was quite a fear-based narrative in straying from the linear path, not necessarily through direct messaging in that people directly saying you should never do this. It's subtle. It can be really subtle cues and kind of warning signs that you receive and you pick up that ultimately instill this fear of a different type of lifestyle. So again, coming back to me beginning to embark on my journey in the online space as someone who is self-employed, I felt a lot of fear because I had never really seen too many examples of success of that, especially not in early life. And so as a way of combating this, I think it's really important, and I've talked about this before, of finding those examples. And something I've always said to myself, which may or may not resonate, is if I could ever find even one example of someone who proves wrong a fear that I have in my head. So let's say I'm scared that I will fail as an entrepreneur in the online space. If I can find even one example of someone who counters this belief, I can perhaps believe a little bit more for that to be true for myself. The last thing I want to say about this type of thinking is that I've had this realization about myself not to confuse familiarity with safety and with what's good for me. What I mean by that is while certain patterns of thought or certain ways of being may be the most familiar to me, it doesn't mean that that's the best way of being. And I think quite often this is what happens is we are more comfortable in patterns that actually 
perpetuate feelings of smallness or self-sabotage than we are in putting ourselves into a new environment or a new situation because there's this experience of uncertainty when we do so and when we put ourselves outside of our comfort zone but being inside of it and staying small not only a lot of times doesn't serve us and doesn't help us to embody our full most authentic selves it can also not always be the best for us. So when it comes to moving through this way of thinking and this way of being, I think the first thing that's really important, of course, is awareness. Oftentimes we get so stuck in these patterns that we don't even realize that we're doing them. And so being able to pause in moments where we start to notice this contracting or fearful or anxious thinking coming up and I'm not talking about in situations where it's actually appropriate to have fear we're talking specifically when it's coming from this place of conditioned fear and oftentimes where it's not necessarily expanding us and putting us into a position where we could move in the direction that feels meaningful to us. So this can even just be a moment of pausing when we notice these thoughts coming up and perhaps we can even document the types of situations that we start to notice these thoughts arise, whether that's relationships or money or your job, any number of things and start to work within that theme and come up with even things like identifying what the common societal narrative was surrounding this area and even what your family's narratives were surrounding this area or any significant events in your life that may have impacted the way that you are thinking and then how all of that might be informing your decision making. Identifying whether it is helping to propel you in the right direction or it is hindering you and cutting you off and blocking you. Really what we're trying to do is to pattern interrupt and to kind of stop and examine and unpack some of these thoughts and beliefs that are driving our life. My personal objective when I notice this is to look for a more expansive thought and this word immediately almost creates a physical experience for me of feeling much more open and much more receptive and not always feeling so tense and closed off to all of the possibilities because I feel like I have it already figured out in my mind and this is the way that it's going to go because it's always gone this way for me and there's no other way that things could possibly open up for me. In terms of how to shift the habit and actually implement more expansive ways of thinking, Oftentimes, the conversation is centered around affirmations, and I'm a big fan of affirmations, but I think when we're dealing with thoughts and beliefs that have a charge to them and that they're deeply connected to life events, it can be hard to kind of remedy them with just trying to think or speak a different affirmation. An alternative though is to simply challenge the thinking and almost imagine that we're in dialogue with this part of ourselves that is scared or fearful and just asking it questions. And there are so many different questions that you can ask, but some examples would be, who would I be without this thought? Or how would it feel to experience whatever it is that you're wanting to experience? 
Am I open to and seeing all of the possibilities? This also has parallels with cognitive behavioral therapy and a process that I really like called decatastrophizing, which is basically challenging and reversing catastrophizing thoughts. So quite often when it comes to certain situations, especially when we've experienced anxiety, we will imagine the worst possible case scenario playing out in our head. And decatastrophizing is a way of challenging and reversing whatever anxious thought we're having and that simple fact can help us to just question and almost seek out alternatives to the one that we are imagining in our mind and to build a little bit more evidence that perhaps that's not the only outcome and perhaps there's something more expansive or even neutral that we can align with. In doing so and in expanding when we're having these fearful thoughts, we're reconnecting with this childlike experience of the world that there is so much more that's possible for us beyond this limited experience that we've had. And when we put ourselves into these boxes that dictate what is and isn't possible for ourselves, we're kind of very tuned into that experience and invalidating in our minds that that's the experience that we're going to have because we're always kind of looking for that feedback whereas when we are thinking more expansively we're allowing ourselves to be much more open to a broader range of possibilities and then it's almost like we're looking for evidence that maybe something else could be true because we are now opening ourselves up to it and our brains are kind of scanning our environment and looking for now different feedback and different opportunities beyond what we have previously experienced. Another way to think of this is when we, uh, going back to what I said earlier in the episode, when we, when something comes into our awareness that we have identified that we would like to experience or have, and we immediately notice this closing off and this mental narrative of excuses as to why we can't have that just looking at those things and asking ourselves if maybe we could open up to ways in which this could happen for us you could even write a list of the things that you would love to open up to the possibility of happening and by doing so we're not suggesting that we know how they will come to us it's simply allowing yourselves to be open to them coming into fruition instead of immediately defaulting to that could never happen or that's never possible for me so rather than feeling like we always have to work around whatever conditions are presently in our lives it's more of an opportunity to open up to what could be brought into our lives in order to have that new experience. This subtle change also helps us to think more creatively and see things and opportunities and connections that we can make that we may not have been aware of before because now we're actually open to the possibility of that happening for ourselves and so we're then our, our mind is then getting to work on you know, making that happen. So I'll just give a really small example because I think this helps to understand this reframe that I'm suggesting. I've mentioned before that we dog sit, so we quite often have dogs at our apartment, and I started to think about what it would be like to have our own dog. My immediate thought process was, well, 
I could never afford that because I want to be able to continue to travel. And if I want to travel, I need to hire a dog sitter. And I know that dog sitters are expensive. So finding all of these excuses and these kind of this evidence that that would not be possible for me. And I just asked myself, what if I, what if I didn't think about it in this way? What if it was really, really important for me to have a dog and I could open up to the possibilities of how that would work and what that would look like? So rather than always saying, well, this is where I'm at now and I wouldn't be able to make it work now, so therefore I won't be able to make that work in the future, almost projecting this experience of being limited into future experiences, we are simply changing it and reframing it to asking ourselves what opportunities exist for that to happen for us. And then just noticing how opportunities present themselves or thoughts or new ways of thinking present themselves when you are open and expanded versus closed off, fearful, and avoidant. So above anything else, when we do, when we think in this way, we're opening ourselves up to a much more collaborative process with the universe and with universal intelligence and what's beyond our limited way of thinking because we have to accept that our perception and what we believe is possible is based on our experience and what we've seen modeled to us but opening up to different ways of being and different ways of thinking acknowledges that there is so much more out there that is accessible to us and just being able to align with the beliefs and thoughts and ways of being and thinking that feel much more expansive and beyond anything else just make us feel good and make us feel as though we're completely worthy of having a life that fills us with joy and meaning and excitement and connection and love. This is something that I'm actively working on and it's not to say that I ever reach a point of completely thinking in this way but it's simply the awareness of those fearful looping thought patterns and how I can interrupt them and open up to a more expansive way of thinking and then just observing and noticing how that plays out through the decisions that I make and the actions that I take and then how that begins to shape and form my life. So with that said, I'm going to leave it at that, a slightly shorter episode for today. I hope that you enjoyed this one. Definitely let me know if you liked this format. I really enjoy these these conversations and these topics. So if you want to hear more about the conversation of manifestation and that kind of thing, definitely let me know. I always love to hear your feedback and your ideas and topics that you would like to hear. So with that said, thank you so much for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful week and I will see you next Friday. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.